Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday, on Instagram at Kristen Esser, and now we can keep the conversation going in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 40. Welcome back. It is so good to be back. I kept wanting to record last week, that week between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, things just conspired against me to be able to sit down to do that. So here I am, the first week of January 2020, and uh, I'm really happy to be here. Have you heard that thing about 2020, that when you write the date, like in a document, like a check or an official document, that you should write the full 2020 and not just 20 because people can come in behind you and write 19 and then it looks like a backdated document. And so you're supposed to write 2020 the whole way. So how were your holidays? Oh my goodness. I uh, I really enjoyed it. I had two full weeks off. So did my husband and college kids had three weeks off. My high schooler had two weeks off. So we were all, all around the house. And uh, it was really nice. It's just, um, it's fun to have, you know, all of us back together. So, um, but now that uh, we've had re-entry into real life, <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought. I, re- you know, really, we got lazy around here. So um, I was a little worried about, you know, what it would be like to to get back to work. But it, it hasn't been too bad. Um, we did do some fun things, you know, in addition to just, you know, in general, Christmas um, and New Year's. We did this thing called a scavenger hunt. I mean, like I'm sure you've heard of a scavenger hunt, but this is um, something called scavengerhunt.com where you, it's an app where you can go online and like buy a, a pass. So I did it for five of us. Um, and then you download an app and they have different scavenger hunts in different cities. Apparently for this particular one, scavengerhunt.com, there's 400 cities that have scavenger hunts. So we went to Ventura, California, mostly because it it's the closest one. Someday we might do Santa Barbara or San Diego, but we did Ventura and it was kind of history based. They said it was challenging. It was not. So you start at the city hall, which is also the county seat. It's a very impressive looking city hall. And um, so you all have it on your app and you start at this place and say you're going to go. And, and it's t- there's a little bit of a you're timed a little bit between each clue. And they tell you to look for things like, um, you know, they tell you what the building is and and, you know, ask you questions about like when it was founded, you know, things that are like on plaques or for that one. I think the first question was how many sets of stairs um, lead up to the front door. And then there was a, a statue and they asked what um, what direction is it facing and, you know, things like that. And then it says then it'll tell you like where to go next. And they kind of give you a general idea on a, a kind of a Google map thing. Um, you can, you get points for things as you answer questions, right? And you can spend those points to get like directions, which we never had to do. We knew a lot of these landmarks anyways, but not all of them. Um, and so we just worked our way. It took about an hour and a half. We worked our way through Ventura and, um, you know, there were, there was one particular one that we just, we couldn't find the answer to for the longest time. And then I had one, everyone's typing in answers on their phone and stuff. And I kept doing it wrong. So I like, I cost us some points because I couldn't quite get it all in there. Right. And, um, and then we had lunch and it was very fun. So I totally recommend like no affiliate link or anything, but it's scavengerhunt.com. I'll put the, a link in the show 
notes. But that was that was a fun thing to do. We played some games, um, went to the movies, uh, things like that. Right before they went back to school, Chloe and I finally we made candles. I talked about that on a previous podcast in my homemaking section about how um, how we should be burning soy candles and not paraffin because of chemicals, blah, blah, blah. But I love having candles lit in the house. But I have a pretty sensitive sense of smell, and so does my husband. And I just, I can't stand really highly scented candles. So I don't light them as often because I don't want to like overwhelm myself. So I have these two very nice, large candle holders are metal from, from Target. They're like the, whatever, the Magnolia type collection. And I got them when I redid my family room a couple years ago now. And, um, there were these really big candles, but I just wasn't lighting them. And I really wanted to, because I just didn't like the way they smelled. So, um, I put them in the freezer, which is how you get candles out of a container and, the next day, popped them out, and I actually just put them into a Tupperware, and I just chopped them up, took the wicks out and any little black spots, because my daughter really likes heavily scented candles. I don't think she has a great sense of smell. Um, and then for Christmas, I got a 10-pound bag of soy wax. It's like sort of grated, and it came with um, a bunch of wicks and some these things called... Um, the, the wick centerers. It's like a piece of metal with these holes in it so that you can keep the wick upright. And um, so one day we made candles. I actually I had to go back and buy a, um, it's like an aluminum pot that has a plastic handle that doesn't get hot and has a spout. My first idea was just to go to Goodwill and buy a, you know, a used um, like pot or pan to melt the wax in. But ultimately, after doing a little research, I realized you kind of need something with a spout. And so I spent the like $13 and bought uh, something that's sort of dedicated for that cause now. And you just use that pot as a double boiler in a, in a thing of like, um, I'd use my big pasta pot and put the handle over the side so it wasn't touching the bottom. And I first thing we did was just remelt the wax that I had taken out from those Target candles and put them into little mason jars of various sizes, the smaller ones, like the more like the eight ounce ones. And um, we made three of those to, and my doc, my daughter took them back to school with her and that came out really well. We only had two wick centerers. So um, I ended up using a, uh, like a shish kebab stick just wrapping the extra wick around it and then laying it across the top so it it stayed there. So once we had some success with that, then I started melting the the new soy wax and I refilled my two big candle things and then I had a little left over so I threw just a chunk of the scented wax in which um some people had mentioned to me last time, like if I just wanted it very lightly scented, just mix a little bit. And I put just a little bit in. I still feel like it's really smelly. Um, I haven't actually burned any of these candles because with soy wax, you apparently want them to sit and cure for at least a week. So those are just uh, sitting there. But it was super fun. And I'm I'm like super excited to, to make some more. My friend Minky is also now very excited about <laughs> making candles. And I think I'll re-melt some of that... Um, that more highly scented wax and uh, make her a few candles too, or we should probably do it together. Right, Minky? Because that would be fun. So, um, so yeah, now I'm an official candle maker, but people are saying like, you know, like Chloe was like, oh, can we make it colored? And can, you know, I'm just like, I want it. 
unscented and white. How boring am I? Um, but you can buy just these little um, things on Amazon to to color it. And then I do have essential oils that I could put in um, to, to scent it in the future. So, um, But the first, I just kind of wanted to do the really plain ones first. So um, that was really fun. As usual, I forgot to talk about my tea, which I'm drinking out of that same sort of mug that I got. It's called I'm looking at the bottom, Hearth and Hand. It's the Joanna Gaines, you know, Target brand Magnolia stuff. And it's very cute. It has a little kind of a Christmas tree. I'm going to just call it a pine tree and I'm going to use it all through winter. Um, when I took the kids back to college um, on Sunday, the freeway on my way back totally slowed down in Burbank. So I ended up getting off the freeway and going into Ikea, mostly to use the bathroom. But then I was like, you know what? I have been driving for like five hours today. I'm just going to walk through Ikea. So I did. And I bought a squeegee and a, a bath mat and like, you know, like little random things that you get at Ikea. Um, and I bought, I always have to get lingonberry jam when I'm there in the marketplace and they have tea. Um, and I've already forgotten what this was called. I was going to look it up. Um, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's a black I'm smelling it. It's a black tea, but it's it's got definitely some different f- herbs in it that flavor it up. And I posted about it in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. Are you a member of that? Because we're having fun over there. I'll put a link in the show notes. And um, somebody commented that it meant, oh, Elise, I'm sorry. She's the one that told me. I think she has been to Sweden, so she knows she can speak Swedish. I think it means like time for yourself or something is, is what the, the name of the tea translates to. It's, you know, a bunch of letters in Swedish that make no sense to me. So anyways, I'm really enjoying this tea. I don't in general like um, very flavored tea. Are you sensing a theme here? But this is really nice. So what is in your hand? What is in your mug today? Um, I hope you're enjoying something fun while you're you're listening. I'd like to ring 2020 in by thanking Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. And again, are you signed up for the Quilt for a Cause in 2020? Um, it's not too late. It's uh, The patterns start dropping in February. It's called Bloomtopia and features summer sweet fabric by Sherry and Chelsea. This sampler combines unique and historical blocks in a vintage style. You can reserve your kit today at fatquartershop.com or simply follow along starting in February 2020. The way it works is they will release two free patterns every month for six months on their blog. There's a suggested donation of $5 per pattern to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Central and South Texas. Fat Quarter Shop and Moda will match donations up to $20,000. Simply follow along on the blog or download the patterns as they're posted. And also, Sherry and Chelsea have filmed um, free videos that will go with it, so you're not going to want to miss this. As always, I will put a link in the show notes. All right, let's talk quilting. I didn't do a ton of sewing over the last few weeks, but I did do some. And the first thing I want to talk about, uh, I talked about a little bit last time, is this new book um, that's been published by Fat Quarter Shop through their It's So Emma line of uh, you know publishing, and it's called Pillow Talk by I hope I'm saying this right, Adida Sitar of Laundry Basket Quilts. So this is a book that has does it say how many 25 lovely pillows for your home sweet home, and. Um, 
I love her, just her vibe, her aesthetic, uh, Dita Sitar. I love it. So she has this great book of all kinds of throw pillows and Fat Quarter Shop is doing this amazing thing to promote this book. They, uh, the book is again called Pillow Talk and they are doing something called Pillow Fight on their blog. And they are pitting two people, two creators against each other. So, um, so Minky and I, we're asked to do this. So we each picked a pillow from the book and um, they will be featured on their blog. I imagine probably on my blog too. Um, some, this is going to go like in um, January and February. So each week will be the way I believe it's going to go. Each week will be a, a new set of people who have made um, each have made a pillow, different pillows, whatever ones they want. They don't even know what pillows we made. And then readers will, or yeah, blog readers will vote on which one they like better and then um and then there'll be like you know like semifinals and finals <laughs> and down the line so anyways it was very fun um i'm not going to tell you yet which pillow i made but i will tell you a few things one is that okay they fat quarter shop has put together um kits for all of these and they use um Adidas Sitar. I feel so uncomfortable saying that. I hope I'm saying it right. Her um, fabric line called Laundry Basket Favorites. It's by Andover. And I love it. I talked a little bit about this last time. And it looks a little bit what I would call like a, a yarn dyed or, you know, I'm not great with my terminology, but it's a solid with probably some white or off-white threads kind of running through it. So it's not 100% solid. It's just totally my vibe there. And, um, so you could use whatever fabric you wanted, um, but I loved I loved everything about the way she did this. So I ended up um, getting one of the kits, which I know seems a little unimaginative for a competition, but ultimately I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> and let's be honest, Minky's following is like 10 or 15 times bigger than mine. So I'm kind of expecting to be crushed in the competition, although I am in love with my pillow. I love it. Um, and so I, so I got the, um, the kit and what's super cool about it I think I can say without giving too much away the pieces are laser cut which means they are perfect they're perfect and for the shapes that my quilt has it was such a relief to not have to cut them so that was that's kind of cool and which made the piecing really accurate and also um the kit, you know, there were a few colors in there I really loved. I wouldn't have picked the kit if I didn't like the colors. So I do like the colors, but it definitely mixes some colors in there that I wouldn't normally pick that are not normally in my wheelhouse, but I love the way it all came out together. So I'm super excited about that. I've never, I don't, I think I've only ever bought one kit in my life and nothing was um, cut in it. So this is definitely the first kind of kit that I've had where the pieces were cut and it was kind of funny so I mean they're so perfect and as I was working with them I realized that the very edges of the of the, of the fabric are just very slightly discolored and I'm thinking that's because they're laser cut they're like kind of a smidge burned <laughs> and but not in any way that it affects anything because it's just the edge and you've got a seam allowance and they're also you couldn't see it but I saw in the package that there is a very extremely lightweight fusible interfacing on them so that they don't stretch out of shape or anything which was also a treat so it was so fun to um to sew with the kit to frankly this sounds so lame but to not have to make decisions about colors and to not have to worry about cutting it was just 
sewing. And that to me was so fun. I did quilt it. And I, even though I'm, you know, kind of one of those people that is quilting by check lately, um, I did, I did do my own quilting on it. And I'm really happy with how it came out. And in fact, um, Minky came over today and I saw her pillow for the first time. And she took pictures of both of our pillows at my house, which it's very, it's like quite a treat to have uh, your friend who are you are competing against take the beautiful photos of your pillow. <laughs> So that uh, worked out really well. So I'll keep you posted in our Facebook group and on Instagram and stuff. And and even, I'm not sure, I off the top of my head, I know that our week is um, in mid-July. That, in, but if, if you're in touch with me on social media at all, I'll make sure that you know when that goes up there. Because Simple Handmade Everyday People, I need to rally you to vote for me, to give Minky a run for her money. <laughs> But uh, I, I truly love the way both these pillows look. And it's I just think it's the cutest idea that th- with this uh, this pillow fight competition. And you'll know um, a lot of the other people. I think there's already up on the Fat Quarter Shop blog. I will put a link in the show notes where it kind of um, is kind of the homepage for this. And it tells you all the different people that are pitted against each other. And you'll know who they all are. So it's super fun. So that is... Um, that was the first thing that I just sort of whipped out at the beginning of uh, the Christmas break. I did finish Sweet Confetti, and I think on my last podcast I was saying that it was headed to the Long Armor. Um, I just got an email or a text yesterday that it's on its way back. So, um, yeah, that is with Minky's Someday Fabric, and the Long Armor actually um, said she really thought the, the fabric was cute in real life. And that's uh, Deanna Sanzano. She's been doing, um, I'd never really sent anything to a long armor. She's a listener to this podcast and said, Hey, I'm doing this. If you want to send me a quilt. And so, um, I started, I sent her a, a quilt to long arm and I've kind of never looked back. I think she's long armed almost everything since. So if you are at all interested in edge to edge computerized designs, she's very reasonable and so responsive and so professional. So um, Deanna, I totally appreciate you. So that's on its way back. And then I will just need to, um, to bind that and get that out into the world. Oh, and speaking of quilts out into the world, um, I gave away a quilt. Um, For those of you who are uh, kind of newer to the podcast, I talked I don't know what episode it is, but about a year ago about being a selfish quilter and how I made quilts and never gave them away. And I realized that I felt I, I felt compelled to begin to give them away. And um, so the Madame Fleur quilt, the, uh, the I, I made a quilt with Madame Fleur fabric line from Lucienne um, in the, was it in the summer or the fall? It, it was, a, I guess it was in the fall because it was at fall quilt market with this um, design called let the light in which is just this diamond design and I did a bit of a color wash on it Um, I will put a link in the show notes if you're not sure what I'm talking about and I gave that to one of my good friends that we've been friends since our oldest children were about a year old and um, and she's been a fabulous friend we just very super quickly we met at the park and she kind of recognized that from a motor skill standpoint, the way my Chloe was walking around at like basically a year old, she seemed very much about the same, you know, motor skill level as her son. And so she said, how old is she? And we started talking and we found out that um, they, that they were, these two kids were born a day apart from each other and that we had the same doctor and that she had her baby 
in the same birthing room right after me. And we even remembered hearing a baby cry and asking the nurse, like, did someone just have a baby? And they're like, yes, it's a little boy. And so it's like we had this connection that we, that we tracked down within like the first 50 minutes of knowing each other. It's crazy. And that was 20 years ago. So it's about time that I gave her a quilt and she loved it. You know, I, you know, the thing about giving quilts is people like tear up and man, do I love that. <laughs> and I used the... Um, the care instructions that Amy Smart over at Diary of a Quilter has on her website, you can download it and it tells you in this very adorable illustrated way how to care for a quilt, um, which I printed out and I wrapped it up with it, which was all very nice. But the day, maybe the morning that I was going to give her that quilt, it came up in, I think it was um, the Quilt Fiction Club, which is Francis Dowell's um, Facebook group that people were talking about, do you wash your quilt before you give it away? I never have, um, but I feel like I'm very much in the minority. Everyone is answering this question going, of course, always, always. And, and I kind of get that because um, you want to see if it's going to run, but I don't think that that happens very often these days. I actually did give her two color catchers as if she's going to know where they are the first time she washes those quilts, but I did give her a couple color catchers just in case. Um, but also I had to explain to her when you wash this quilt, it's going to get crinkly and that is what you want. So, you know, when you first do it, it's all very flat and pristine. And I think one reason to wash it is to give it to them in the condition that they will see it for the rest of their lives. Um, so I kind of got that, oh, maybe I should be washing quilts before I send them. But usually like by the time I'm ready to give it, I'm just, I'm ready to do it. And at that point, like we were going to have tea and I was, you know, I was going to give it to her that day and I did not have time to wash it. So I'll have to put, I'll put a poll in the Facebook group about whether or not, um, if I remember, I'm going to make a note right here, um, about whether or not you wash quilts before you gift them. The other sewing I've been doing is I've gotten back into hand piecing. If you're a member of the Hand Pieced Quilt Along Facebook group, um, you will see that Patty and I made an announcement that we are working very hard on something, not saying exactly what, and it's going much slower than I thought it would. But let's just say I've been doing some hand piecing and remembering all over again why I love hand piecing. So, so that's been happening, and there will definitely be more on that later. The one thing I'm not working on that I would like to is the frolic mystery. Are you doing the Bonnie Hunter frolic mystery? I have, you know, every good intention of doing that. And I just sent that link to somebody today and I see that there are seven clues so far and I haven't even done the first one. So I still have that fabric set aside and I love the idea of using my stash for it. Um, so I'm saving those clues and I absolutely plan to do it, but it is not on the radar right now, radar right now. And uh, we'll talk about more about this in future podcasts, but um, I am feeling convicted to get um, my, my unfinished objects, my whips, cleared out this year. And I don't have that many. I have the, the um, pineapple quilt that I started talking about coming up on two years ago when I started this podcast, and it's basted and everything. I just need to quilt it. Um, and I have a charity quilt that is half quilted. So it's, it's a quilting thing for me. I mean, I love the sewing, you know, as we've talked about that the quilting's a little harder for me, but, uh, I really want to get those done. Um, I also, a few years ago, did a quilt along with, um, Aaliyah Lutz's fabric, 
Um, and it was a, it was another book that was published by Fat Quarter Shop called Pretty Playtime Quilts. And it's an adorable sort of little girl quilt. And I made almost every block. And I think I have enough that I could just put it together for a small children's quilt. Um, and I would really like to, you know, kind of get all three of those. You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to cut myself some real slack here and say in the first six months of 2020, I would like to get those three quilts done. And um, so I, I don't know, you know, I've been trying to think of like, if we should do some kind of a challenge, sometimes I get sick of people doing challenges. Um, but if it would help you, I, I've been thinking of a few things, like we could do some sort of a fly lady challenge for those of you who kind of want to get back into your some fly lady housekeeping routines. We could do some sort of an accountability thing in our in the Facebook group or um, a UFO challenge. Um, and what else did I think of? Oh, and maybe a little bit of a book club. I don't. I know Francis does that in the Quilt Fiction Club, but I think that seems like something we could do here because it seems like everybody loves to read. So um, if those sound good to you, let me know in some way. Comment on the show notes. Send me a DM on Instagram. Um, say something in the Facebook group, whatever. Just let me know. Um, and But I'll probably, you know, as I get my act together a little bit more in 2020, we'll uh, start pursuing some of those kind of fun things. Because uh, it seems like there's a lot of people who, you know, really um, have struggled with home homemaking routines and have really um, been inspired by the fly lady. And, uh, you know, I just hear a lot about these, these types of things, getting quilts done, keeping your house clean. So um, we'll just stay posted for that. Let's move on to yarn, yarn things. <laughs> and I say that because I don't have much to report about knitting, but I've mentioned that my daughter has discovered crochet and she loves it for all the reasons that we love crafts. It keeps your hands busy. It quiets your mind. It gives you something to do when you're listening to a podcast or watching TV. So um, I feel like she sort of absorbed that from me um, through osmosis because when she lived at home, totally not really interested in any of this stuff, but her roommate in college, super into crochet. So she came home for school, whipped out a baby Yoda ornament that was so cute um, right away. Then she did another ornament. So I've, up until my kids are 18, I have bought them each uh, an ornament a Christmas ornament. And I was feeling a little uninspired about the one this year for my son, Ben, who is 17. So he's like the only one I'm doing ornaments for. So she knitted a drum. He's a drummer. So she, she not knit, she crocheted a 3D drum with little sticks and everything. It was so cute. I think that I could be wrong. And I know she did sew this up and she made it up too. Like she looked at instructions. She goes, I don't get that. I'm going to do my own thing. I have a feeling that doing 3D objects is a little bit easier with crochet than with knitting. I could be completely wrong. But anyways, Baby Yoda ornament. And then she decides she's going to do a blanket. She knitted she did not knit. See, the, that word just comes off my, my, my mouth. She crocheted a full lap size um, afghan or blanket in five days. It was insane. It's really cute. I'll put a picture in the show notes. I never, I'm, you know, it's one of those things I kept saying, I'm going to take a good picture of that. And I never really took a great picture of it, but it's, it's very cute. It's gray and navy blue. And um, it was amazing. And what's super cool I put in the Facebook group, I asked for people like to tell me what their favorite brand of crochet hooks, uh, you know, were because I wanted to get her some for Christmas. Well, one listener, and I'm not going to say who it is because I, I didn't ask permission, but um, a member of the group DM'd me 
And um, her mother-in-law had passed away and, and she inherited a bunch of crochet hooks. And so she sent a bunch of crochet hooks to me that I was able to give to Chloe. I was going to give them to her for Christmas, but she needed things before Christmas. So I said, here is an early Christmas present. And um, it was an amazing gift. It was an amazing gift. She's super happy with them. And it's, you know, it's one of those things I, I, I know when I started knitting, it's like every new project, you just never seem to have the right size. So this is a very nice assortment of lots of sizes. And um, so hopefully she'll have what she needs. And I was able to pass on, you know, like little drawstring bags and some zipper pouches, you know, all those things that, you know, I've been making for years or people have been giving me. And so now she has her own little little set of, uh, you know, she's got a project bag and a and a hook bag and notions bag, all those kinds of things. So that was, that's been really fun. But um, yeah, you know, just like nothing makes me happier than realizing that one of my kids has has discovered the the joy of crafting let's move on to books over this break I became obsessed with Jeffrey Archer books now I've always loved Jeffrey Archer and I've read almost everything that uh, he's written but I got obsessed with listening to the Clifton Chronicles which is uh, I think I might have talked about this in the last podcast but I'm still listening to him um I don't even know. I'm going to say it's a series of about eight books that follows a um, a character and his family, you know, from when he's a child all the way basically till the end of his life. And um, I read them years ago, but as I was casting about on Libby, <laughs> trying to find things to listen to as I, you know, I've become sort of addicted to listening to audiobooks. I'm listening to less podcasts, I'm embarrassed to admit, because I'm like into the into the audiobooks right now. But um, I was able to to find them, and they seem to be available. And so I, I actually started at book two um, because I just thought it was going to be a one-off thing. And now I think I'm on book six. <laughs> and what I forgot was that basically each book is a total cliffhanger. So it's like I just can't let it go. I have to, like, do the next one to find out how that, even though I actually know <laughs> how the next thing's going to go. You know, I read these long enough ago and I'm at an age where I've forgotten a lot of the details. I can, I know like the general, uh, you know, plot arc, but not the specifics. The specifics are are long gone. So I can just listen to it again. It's been very enjoyable. So that's the Jeffrey Archer Clifton Chronicles series. For Christmas, I got Nothing Ventured by Jeffrey Archer. And this has been fun because in the Clifton Chronicles, one of the characters, Harry Clifton, is a writer. He's a mystery writer, and his character is named William Warwick. And one of the books that he, Harry, writes is called Nothing Ventured. So the book that Jeffrey Archer has written in 2019 is, I believe, that book that that was a fictional book. <laughs> when he wrote the Clifton Chronicles. Does that make sense? So it's a book about William Warwick, not about the Cliftons, which is super fun. I haven't actually um, started reading it yet, but uh, I'm excited about that. And then I got the new Jojo Moyes um, Giver of Stars, I believe that's called. So so those are two physical books. I'm so out of practice reading actual physical books. So I'm excited about reading those. Um, the other book that I got for Christmas is Simple Abundance. In my Instagram stories a while ago, I put a picture of the the older Sim- Simple Abundance that, you know, I've been reading for years. And so many people contacted me and like, oh, I love that book. That book can change my life. And and so I got the new one. As a matter of fact, my son who bought me 
the new version of Simple Abundance that just came out, he saw that Instagram story and like went into a little tailspin about why did she ask for this book? If she already has this book, I've already bought this book for her until she he figured out that it's a new version. And it is different. I mean, it's got the same feel of it, but I compared dates on the new version of Simple Abundance and it's, it's new. And uh, so it's only, what, it's January 7th today. So I'm only seven days in, um, but I'm enjoying that very much. As a matter of fact, someone pointed out to me that there's a kind of a workbook that goes with it. And that that sounds like fun. I'm not ready to do that right now. I don't want to start too many things at the beginning of the year, but that looks like maybe I'll put that on my birthday list. The other books for self-improvement that um, I'm reading right now, one is Atomic Habits by James Clear, huge book right now about habit, habit formation. And what's he, it's just, it's a really well-written book. Um, and it's it got a message that I need to hear, which is that habits you need consistency is key with habits that all you need is a 1% change. But if you continue that over years, those results multiply the further out you go. Like for instance, if you think of an airplane who is headed to New York, but if they just, you know, do the heading just like three degrees, you know, one way, by the time you get across the country, you're going to be in a complete, you'll be in the, the Northeast or something, you know, that change, it's uh, habits are the compound interest of your life, basically. Small changes, if you stay consistent, yield big results. And that is a concept that does not come easily to me. So, um, and the other thing um, he talks about is that changing your how you see yourself so if you are a person that um that wants to run i don't want to run but if you are that you you need to start thinking of yourself as a runner and how you start thinking of yourself as a runner is by running every day even if or you know or however often you want to run but even if it's only for a minute or five minutes but every time you perform your action whether it's you know like tracking your food on an app or um, taking your vitamins or whatever. Every time you do that thing, it's like a vote in favor of this identity that you are aspiring to. I'm a healthy person. I take my vitamins every day. Every time I take my vitamins, it's it's a vote towards that, and it makes um, it, it becomes easier, and the effects are greater later on. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it's a great book. Um, it's just talking about habits. It's not like every thing is it's a new concept it's like reframed in a way that's making just like the little light bulb go off in my head so that's been that's been fun oh my goodness I've already been talking for 34 minutes I can really go on and on these days um, and the last one I'll just talk about very quickly it's called Rhythms of Renewal it's actually it's a Christian book about rest and um, and renewal um, about slowing down you know getting stop wasting time taking a Sabbath taking care of yourself, those kinds of things, you know, that, that really pay dividends in your life. Um, I cannot think of, uh, I think it's Rachel Lyons, Rebecca Lyons, um, wrote that. And um, it's just been a really good message for me. So I've, I've really been enjoying that. So yeah, just kind of lots of books. I'm just sort of reading little bits each day and, um, you know, kind of trying to incorporate them into my life. So let's move on to um, fun things to watch. Um, from a TV standpoint, I feel like I, I, I just kind of, I don't want to address too much there because I want to get to the movies, but I will say that Anne with an E, there's a new 
season on Netflix. Have not watched it, but I'm very much looking forward to that. But let's talk about movies. As a family, we went to go see the new Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and enjoyed it very, very much. I have seen all the Star Wars. I remember nothing <laughs> from movie to movie. I'm kind of there for my kids. I'm along for the ride, not tracking the bigger story half the time. But um, I really enjoyed this one. It was delightful. It was funny. It kind of reminded me more of like the very first one, like, you know, with... Uh, the, the Last Hope, episode four. So, um, but that's not the movie I really want to talk about because I want to talk about Little Women. And now I wish I had like a whole podcast I could dedicate to this. I loved Little Women. Chloe and I went and saw it. And um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to say right now that I will talk about some of it here, but there's some things that are spoilers. And I'm going to put that at the end of the podcast so that if you want to hear it, you can. And I will say spoilers coming. Um, so I'll put that at the end. But for the stuff that's not spoilers, the casting was phenomenal. Um, I, I struggle with her name, but I think it's Saoirse Ronan as Joe. I don't want to set expectations too high, but she's my favorite Joe. Just like Anne with an E, she is like she is so perfect the way they cast that um, Anne Shirley because she's got the red hair, but she's frankly she's not beautiful. She's, which Anne is not supposed to be beautiful. And, and not that Joe's not beautiful, not that Saoirse Ronan isn't beautiful, but they really play her down. But she has the right physicality, the right, um, you know, just her body language just says Joe to me. Um, so I loved all, all of the sisters. We have um, Emma Watson as Meg, who is just, you know, beautiful. And, and I thought she just epitomized Meg to me. Um, I don't know the actress that did Beth, but she just <laughs> looked like Beth. And then Florence Pugh plays Amy, and she is my favorite Amy. Amy is, you know, like my least favorite character, <laughs> besides maybe Aunt March on Little Women. I just think she seems like a spoiled brat. But this Amy brought, like, something else to the table. And, and, and there's a kind of a look between all of them that they very convincingly look like they could be part of the same family. The only kind of weird things casting wise is Laura Dern is Marmy. And if the last thing you saw Laura Dern do was Big Little Lies, who was like the opposite of Marmy, <laughs> that character, that was a little hard for me, but she did it. Um, she did a really good job. And so I, uh, I got over that. And then um, Bob Odenkirk was Mr. March, who plays a very small role, but that is um, from Better Call Saul, Jimmy McGill from Better Call Saul, and he was in Breaking Bad, and now he's got his own show, and I had a little bit of a hard time making him into Mr. March, but other than that, um, oh, and then whoever plays Lori, Timothy, like, Chamoulet or something, I'm sorry, I don't know that name, he was amazing. He, as Lori, and Saoirse Ronan, as Joe, have some absolutely spectacular scenes together, um, especially, in my opinion, the scene, yeah, you know, where it all comes to a head with the relationship. Totally fabulous. And then um, Meg's, you know, eventual husband. Oh, I mean, it's Little Woman was written 150 years ago. If these are spoilers to you, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to assume everyone has actually, you know, knows the story by now. But the, um, I think his name is James Norton from Grantchester, the, as I like to say, the hunky Anglican priest turned detective uh, from the PBS, PBS um, show Grantchester. He plays John Brooks with an American accent with not red hair. And I, it took me a while to figure out who he was. So that was, that was kind of fun too. 
But there's so many things about the way this um, Little Women was put together. They do, um, I won't tell you t- too much, but the the um, sequence of the story is a little bit different, which I think makes it a more compelling story. One thing that I will tell you, in case you haven't seen it, that I wish I had known going into it. It makes me want to go watch it again. It jumps around in time. And Chloe noticed this. We talked about it on the way home that, let me see if I can get this right. Of the current time from when the show, the movie starts, has, I believe, a little bit of a cooler tone, and the past scenes have a warmer tone, um, which is very cool. It's filmed beautifully. The you know the there's lots of quilts and the you know the costumes are amazing, um, but it's got a very rich look to it. But I thought that was kind of an interesting way to help you. Um, with some cues about whether it's, you know, what time frame it's in. So that was, that was amazing. So that's all I'm going to say about it for now. Um, let's see if I can remember the things I, I want. I've been talking to you in my head for weeks about all the things that I loved about this, but it is a, it's a wonderful version of Little Women. If you think you've seen Little Women and, and I was like, do we really need another version? Why do we keep redoing the story? But I think it really brings a fresh perspective to it. So I highly recommend it. So let's move on to homemaking. Um, I'm going to start off this time with my one simple swap, which is um, my um, quest to find easy ways to bring a more um, eco-friendly things into the house, to, to use less and, and use materials that are better for the environment. So um, this is one that I found online, and I, I think it's pretty cool. You can contact Amazon and ask them to stop using plastic in the packaging and to use um, more eco-friendly and minimal packaging. And so I've done that because, you know, like I'm sure, haven't we all gotten a gazillion Amazon boxes around the holidays? And, you know, they use that that stuff that they fill up with air, that bubble wrap. And, you know, all that plastic, even though it says recyclable, it's really not. People are not actually recycling it anymore now that we're China doesn't want our recycling. So in most places, um, it seems like the plastic bags and that kind of plastic, not recyclable. So this is what you do. You go to your Amazon account and into your account and you go to help and then customer service and get to the chat window. And you actually have to open it up and chat with someone and you just tell them um, that you would like them to make a note in your account that you want plastic free minimal packaging and um, I think enough people have done this they know exactly what you're talking about and then they will tell you that they're striving to do that for everyone but they will make a note in your account Um, so the people who um, I I heard about this online so they definitely get more crumpled paper in their packages now instead of that plastic stuff. I haven't ordered since then. Um, actually, that's not true. I ordered, I got some template plastic yesterday, now that I think about it, and it had paper in it and not the plastic. So there you go. So um, if, you know, just think about how much plastic we could save if everyone you wanted to use paper. And at least, you know, we, I hate to be clear cutting for us, but paper is better than plastic because at least it degrades and it's a renewable resource. So that's my one simple swap. Um, the other thing is that I'm ready to get back into some good homemaking habits. Are you? So I've talked a lot about the Fly Lady. A lot of you guys seem to be really interested in that. So the cool thing about the Fly Lady home making system, house, whatever, what do we call it? Cleaning system is that you're never behind. You just start where you are. And I definitely loosened up 
during December, I still do my morning routine, which involves getting a load of laundry going and wiping down the bathroom and, um, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, and doing a quick, as they call it, a, a weekly home blessing, which is a real quick cleaning your house, which I totally got the kids involved in every week while they were here, because why should I do everything? Um, but I wasn't doing any deep cleaning, you know, at all. Um, and so I'm ready to get going on it again. So this week, um, you know, I've just done my like weekly home blessing and we're in the kitchen this week. And so you need to just spend 15 minutes where you are. So even though like, I feel like the showers really need to be really scrubbed down in a deep cleaning way. You know what? I know that, you know what, that's going to come up next week. So I'm just going to stay in the kitchen. I mean, you can do whatever zone you want, but I like to kind of stay with her system because then I remember it. Um, cause I use the app. It's called fly lady premium, but it's not actually or fly lady plus it doesn't cost money anymore. And, um, it, you can just open it up and it'll tell you what zone you're in. So we're in the kitchen this week and, uh, you know, so I'm just doing my 15 minutes a day of, um, you know, I kind of do this thing where I throw all the decor items that you know, I can into the dishwasher to be washed. I put some citric acid in the coffee maker to do a little clean out. The dishwasher is actually running right now with a, a natural dishwasher cleaner. Um, tomorrow I'll wipe down some cabinet fronts. And, uh, I did at the, on like New Year's day because it was getting to me kind of did, a kind of straightened out the pantry, things like that. And, you know, and we'll just, the way the fly lady system works, if it's, if you're new, um, you just tackle a zone every, every week. And so they, you know, you don't have to finish. You just have to make progress. Cause you know what, you're going to be back in there next month and, and doing, you know, 15 minutes or, you know, 15 minutes, a few times a week. I mean, it really talk about little things, adding up to big things. Um, you can really work your way through some good deep cleaning projects, 15 minutes at a time without changing your clothes and getting dirty just a little bit at a time. So totally back, back on the fly lady bandwagon. Not that I really abandoned it, but that's the great thing about the, the zone cleaning is you can skip it for a month and you just start over and those months roll around. So, um, and the last thing I wanted to share is I talked about, I was on the hunt for what was the planner that I was going to use this year. And I just wanted to share because some people seemed interested. First of all, um, I did power sheets last year um, in terms of goal setting and things like that. And I really liked it. I did not buy a new one this year. Um, I just got a notebook out and I went through most of the prompts that really resonated with me to kind of get my direction for this year. So that worked out really well for me. Um, I know several people that, you know, lots of people buy them year after year because they really like having it all in one place in the notebook. And that was really nice. And it was very interesting to me. I have a lot of the same goals this year, but I also saw that I accomplished some things that I maybe would have kind of forgotten that I accomplished. I'm not going to do a year end wrap up. I feel like I get so sick of seeing those, those year end wrap ups. Like I just want to move on with my life. But, um, I ended up with something called the momentum planner and, um, I'll put a note link in the show notes. You could actually, you can download them for free. You can as a digital planner, which I did for a while to make sure I liked it. But, um, they also have a printed planner, which I decided to buy because I really like having it bound. And, um, and it works out really well for me because there's a section for yearly plans, quarterly plans, monthly plans, weekly plans, and daily plans, which I know sounds like a lot, but you kind of set up your year. And then I'm, I do this anyways, just in my bullet journal, go, okay, what do I want to do this month? And then, you know, what, what do I want to do this week? And what do I need to do today? So I already think in this way. Um, and the way it's set up is that I can do my more like, I want to call paid work 
to-do list in one section and more of my personal stuff in another section. So that works out really well for me. Um, so I'm kind of just at the beginning, but uh, I really, the momentum planner seems like it might work out really well for me. I'm also very interested in the Michael Hyatt full focus planner, but it's, um, it just seems very expensive because you have to buy four of them in a year and they're like $40 each. <laughs> so that just seems like a lot. Yeah, this planner seemed just a bit more economical. So, all right, that about wraps up um, this podcast. Oh, I do want to mention um, no new reviews. It made me a little sad when I went to look today. So if you enjoy the podcast, um, I just very much would like to ask you to please rate and review it on um, on the podcast app or iTunes or Google, wherever you listen to it, Stitcher, wherever. I totally appreciate that. It helps other people find it and um, it helps the podcast to grow. So I hope that you had a, a wonderful holiday if you celebrate and um, yeah, just let's hit 2020 with, you know, running and let's just keep our energy up and let's achieve, achieve great things this year. I'll see you next time. I almost forgot. Okay, so this is the section where we are going to talk about spoilers for the new Little Women movie. So if you do not want to hear spoilers for that movie in particular, do not listen. Okay, so for all of you who are here, hi. Did you love this movie as much as I did? There's a couple things that I thought were really cool. And the way it, it and mostly I want to talk about the ending because Chloe and I were a little unsure about it as we were discussing it on the way home. And then we did a little research. And I thought that the way that basically the director merged Joe's life with Louisa May Alcott's life. So apparently Louisa May Alcott did not want to marry Joe off in Little Women. But just like in the movie, her publisher said, we cannot have the heroine of a um, book not get married by the end. It's just not going to happen. And so you can see her at the end there, you know, um, arguing with him, right? And then we see the ending where Joe runs after him and, you know, with the umbrella and the whole kiss and stuff. And and then we cut back to the editor, right? Where she's like, like that. And he's like, yeah, that's perfect. And so I'm thinking like, did that happen? Or no, it didn't happen. That's the ending that she envisioned for um, for the ending of the book. And and so then, the, so her real ending is, you know, is the book, the book being like her baby when she's watching it being bound and all that, which was way more authentic to, to Louisa May Alcott's life. And um, an interview with the, um, the writer, you know, I guess screenwriter, director said, you know, if we can't give Louisa May Alcott the ending that she wanted 150 years later, like, have we really gotten anywhere? So I thought that was really cool, but I was not 100% sure. So maybe you were like, oh, that was really obvious. Um, and the, you know, I never liked the, I never bought the Joe, Mr. Bear romance anyways. And now I've heard that, that really, I mean, she wrote it, she kind of dashed it off in, in thinking it was almost funny, like no one's really going to buy this. And she was right, you know? And so I thought that was kind, kind of interesting. Um, so that ending made way more sense to me. The other thing that I thought was really cool was I the other romance that never really resonated with me was, was Lori and Amy. Um, I never really bought that one either. But because of the way that they tell the story um, in flashbacks... Um, it was actually my daughter that noticed this. You, 
because you already know that Amy and Laurie are sort of getting together, when you go back to flashbacks, you are seeing Amy sketching Laurie and looking at Laurie. Like, like you know it's coming, so your brain is putting together the pieces for you so that it makes sense at the end. And, um, and I really like that. And so this is the first rendition that I really bought that relationship. And the scene in the painting studio... Um, where Amy is painting and Lori comes in and they're chatting and she gives a speech and I'm pretty sure it's not in the book where basically marriage is an economic affair. So why should I not marry for money? First of all, that speech was amazing. The actress, actress was amazing. The whole, I just thought the whole thing was amazing. Um, but the other thing that I loved is this linen smock apron that she's wearing, which of course is pristine, even though she's in a painting studio. Did you see that? Oh my gosh, I loved it. It was, it had just the most exquisite detail. So again, just like, I think I liked it better than the dress. I like this plain linen pinafore. So, um, but yeah, the thing that I didn't get was I felt that, um, given the, uh, the timing of when Lori and Amy are meeting outside and she says, I'm not going to marry Fred and they sort of declare their, their love for each other. I think she's heading home because Beth has died. And by the time they get there, they're married. And that timing seems a little bit rushed to me. So that I was like, is, has it always been that rushed? I couldn't quite remember. Now, I know it's like it takes a long time to get from, say, Paris to Massachusetts. But did they have the captain of the ship marry them? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> that is an unanswered question for me. But um, and I loved Marmy seemed like a little bit snarky and their relationship with Mr. March seemed a little bit more humorous. And so I thought that was really cool. And the scene where Mr. Lawrence is listening to Beth play the piano and he just kind of sits down on the stairs and listens to her with tears in his eyes. I cried my eyes out at that, that scene. So, but mostly what I really wanted to come here is talk about this, like this meta ending that it didn't end the way all the books end. Her book ends that way, but her life, Joe's life doesn't. And I just thought that that was such a beautiful nod to Louisa May Alcott. So anyways, um, let me know what you think. And um, yeah, I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. All right. We'll see you next time. 